0: The truth is the org chart is really important. So I don't know how many times we have interviewed people and they don't know who they report to. Mm -hmm. They don't know who reports to them. Uh, We had one company where someone didn't know what their job title was.
1: Or who they reported to. Or who
0: they reported to. We will get different answers. Where someone will say, oh, that person definitely reports to me. And then we talk to to that person (laughs) and they say, oh, no, I report to someone different.
1: Yeah. Or they report to me.
0: Yeah. And so we often don't have clear reporting relationships. Mm -hmm. And again, this, I think, is a a good intent because people don't want to put other people over other people, right? They don't want to.
1: Under my thumb.
0: They don't want to create that sense of, like these are the bosses Mm -hmm. and you guys are the pleads, right? But I think what we need to understand is whoever you report to, that's not who's better than you or who has power over you. That's who you go to when you don't have what you need to do your job. Mm -hmm. That's who you go to when something has happened that's out of your, what, out of your pay grade, right? Something has happened and this is not on me to fix and I need to know where to go. Mm -hmm. I should have a relationship with that person. that doesn't just exist when everything goes sideways. And it's
1: their responsibility to help through that situation.
0: Exactly. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. Not a
1: lot a bit more. That was last week. That
0: was last week. Well, I don't know. I mean, honestly, people don't know it, but this week's topic could really be just as important to making people happy at work. It is kind of a hot topic. the money that they make. That's right. So this week we're talking about organizational mapping. What? So Jason's worried it's going what? to be boring.
1: That's boring.
0: It's not boring. It's...
1: Organizational mapping.
0: Super important. So let's talk about what we mean when we talk about organizational structure.
1: So uh, I think you have this outline kind of backwards. Okay. Yeah, because I think... Typically, uh, where where people start off is you're a tradesperson. You're good at the trade, and you have a buddy, and you hire your buddy, and then before you know it, you have a couple other buddies, and you're all working together, and you're a small group of uh, people with the same goal, mm-hmm. and because everybody's so tight knit and close together, and you probably know each other's families well. There's no need for any formality or job descriptions or organizational structure. You know exactly what's going on in that person's life from day to day to day. You're and working
0: side by side all the time.
1: Right. And so one of our clients, they said, we're not going to have any job descriptions. We're, we're just all the same and we're all just going to work towards the common goal.
0: Well, and there's often a feeling that creating a hierarchy is putting people above other people mm-hmm. in a sense of importance.
1: You've got your your tight-knit company, and when you're a handful of folks, maybe five, there isn't really any need for a complex organizational structure or job titles, because everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows what everybody's good at. But what happens over time is those companies grow and develop, and then they turn into an organization of 10, and 15, and 20, and 30, and 40. And before you know it, you are not on the same page as everybody else inside all, that organization.
0: All of a sudden, the owner of the company can go days at a time without seeing any given employee.
1: Mm-hmm. And so this is, we use uh, sports analogies even though we are not sporties. we so, <laughs> not sporties. we not sporties. Hashtag
0: not sporties. Not
1: sporties. <laughs> That's, save it. Watch for it. So, uh, if, if it's you and a couple of buddies and you just want to go play some football, You get a football and you go out to the park and you just throw it around and and rumble around and it's not that big a deal. However, when you look at the Seahawks, the Seahawks have a very regimented position plan and organizational structure and who reports to who and who has the authority to call what play. When we develop organizationally and we turn into a real business, you wouldn't see the Seahawks just showing up without a plan, without roles, without structure. They would get decimated yep right? absolutely so there there can be some pushback from from organizational structures from a paperwork standpoint so what's with all the paperwork um, it seems like a lot of work for what
0: yeah and that's I think people often see a lot of these structure pieces as being just lip service mm-hmm. it's being something you write down you shove it in the back of a drawer we're all wasting our time to write it down because no one's gonna actually do these things or live these things.
1: So we look at it when we hire on mm-hmm. and maybe at review time and other than that they just live in the bottom of, of our file cabinet.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and especially because a lot of the time these pieces, job descriptions and org charts and things, if they're written in a way that that's not very actionable, if they're confusing
1: or... They don't say anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, we often see and you can see where The intent of that document was really good. Someone set out to try to make it clear to someone what they needed to do, but without the ability to put that together in a clear and actionable way, it just becomes kind of this laundry list that you don't really know what to do with or how you're supposed to interact
1: with. So all of the the structure pieces and job description pieces, we should be able to look at these role plans and ask the question, what does that mean and how do we know whether or not we're doing it? Mm -hmm. How do we know whether or not these decisions are actually working themselves through that organizational chain properly or not. And what are the warning signs when we have problems? So when we have a well-executed organizational structure, it doesn't feel like a lot of work. It doesn't feel like technical paperwork. It Mm -hmm. feels natural because you have a flow of, when I have a problem with a given issue, I know exactly who to go to and I know exactly who has the authority to either make the decision or empower me to make the decision for myself.
0: These pieces, they're not really paperwork because when they're well built and well executed, they become our workflow, they become muscle memory. So the biggest challenge in getting this rolled out are companies that you walk into and they have a culture that is... You know, at this company, we just get things done. We're not we're not here to make a bunch of high-minded.
1: I'll say highfalutin.
0: <laughs> highfalutin uh, statements about making the world a better place. We're just here, we're gonna do a good job, we're gonna get a paycheck, we're gonna go home.
1: Yeah.
0: And it can be really hard to help people who work for a company like that to see how something bigger or more or better is something that could actually make their life better as opposed to just something that's going to be a waste of their time.
1: Well, especially with the the younger generations coming up, they tend to want more of a three-dimensional lifestyle Mm -hmm. where they want to have a purpose for for why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, And I think that with those mantra pieces it can be really helpful and with the structure pieces it can be really helpful so that if they have the visibility of why they're doing what they're doing. And and that there's a plan that's bigger than just them and how they want to know how they interact and interface with that plan Mm -hmm. It can be really motivational give them a reason to care. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I think too, the incoming generation uh, they are team oriented Mm -hmm. in a way that I think generations before them as a rule were not. So when you talk to parents, you hear all the time the conversation that now everything in school is all these group projects Mm -hmm. and everybody's always doing group projects. and What a pain in the butt it is. But the truth is that the way that the internet has changed the world and the way that the incoming generation works is relying on and utilizing the other people around them. And I think that is an amazingly powerful thing and a really good thing, but it means that they need a better understanding than any generation has needed before of how they fit with all the people around them in an organizational way.
1: That sounds kind of like a kumbaya thing to me.
0: (laughs) So uh, we have a thing that we refer to as a kumbaya dichotomy.
1: It's a kumbaya thing.
0: It's a kumbaya thing. And the idea here is that we,
1: dichotomy is highfalutin.
0: Dichotomy it's it's an important part of it. <laughs> it is a dichotomy. So look it up, Google it, go ahead. <laughs> so
1: it'll it'll bring back highfalutin.
0: No, it's not highfalutin. The kumbaya dichotomy the idea of the kumbaya dichotomy is that you will find most people fall on one or the other end of the spectrum where either they want to do the right thing and give things to their people and take care of their people because it's the right thing to do and a good thing to do and they want their company to be good and right or the other end of that spectrum is we aren't here to hold hands and sing kumbaya we're here to get the work done
1: that's the point we're here to make money that's
0: a bunch of hippie bullshit Mm -hmm. we're here to make money but the idea is that the, the beauty of it is, it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum. Because if you fall on the kumbaya side of the spectrum where you want to do good and right things for people, helping them see where they fit in the scope of the organization is a good and right thing to do that will make people happy. But if you fall on the other end of that spectrum, if you fall on the getting things done end of the spectrum, where we aren't here to hold hands and sing kumbaya, then still the truth of the matter is, we will be more efficient, we will do better work, we will do faster work, and we will ultimately make more money if we make sure that people know where they stand in the organization. If they know where to go to get the information that they need, where they go, when things go wrong, those things can happen more quickly and save us money. So, you know, the idea of the kumbaya- You can have both? Yes, it's true no matter where you fall on the spectrum, no matter what you're looking for, whether you're looking to make more money, and be more profitable or if you're looking to do the right thing for your company or anywhere in the middle, it's always the best thing to do is make sure your people know where they stand in your organization.
1: So the the challenging part about organizational structure is that uh, there's a bigger piece to it, right?
0: There's a lot to organizational structure and today we're not really here to talk about everything about organizational structure that's kind of the focus of this month Mm -hmm. on the podcast we talked about pay structures we talked about oh what did we talk about before that we talked about uh, getting your house in order with tasking all of those things are pieces of organizational structure Uh, but today we're talking about organizational mapping which is where we start to look at how can we build a map of where people stand in relation to one another their work interfaces with each other's work and what their work is Mm
1: -hmm. so when we start intake when we're doing full-scale development we'll sit down and ask folks if they have a copy of their job description are they aware of it typically they're not typically they don't have access to it maybe they received it once but and haven't they, seen it since. And
0: they often tell us they don't need one because no. they know what they're supposed to do. Yeah.
1: And so we talked a little bit about the difference between a job posting and a job description in what episode 26. Yep. So it's important that we understand a job posting, the thing that that is the advertisement mm-hmm. is not your job description. It should be different from that. And the
0: the we talk about the fact that the job posting is a marketing piece to get people to wanna come work at your company, but also From a a structural standpoint, a job posting says, what skills would you need to have in order to be successful here? Whereas the job description says, okay, now you're here, you have those skills, what are you actually responsible for carrying? And that's a really different conversation than what do you need to be good
1: at? So this is a task list then.
0: (laughs) And this is not a task list, (laughs) but this kind of builds on that concept that we talked about about task lists where we said, you want to get the right level of detail. And mm-hmm. the same thing is absolutely true for a job description, because if your job description becomes a day-to-day task list, that is too far zoomed in. Mm-hmm. However, if it becomes- um, Ethereal. Carry out all of the duties of a PM, that is that is too far zoomed out. Yeah. That's not enough detail. What the
1: heck does that mean?
0: So that's really the big trick. In the same way that that is the big challenge of writing tasks out, That is the big challenge of writing a job description is how to understand the level of detail that it needs. So at this point, when we're doing this, when we're writing organizational mapping out for a company we're working with, we step back from the job description and start with another document altogether that a lot of companies don't have that's called a responsibility matrix.
1: So we use this commonly in commercial construction for a specific project. So if you have a project that's two years long and you've got, say, 15 staff or so, it's important that you identify what are the roles and responsibilities for each each player, each, each team member Through the different phases of the project Mm
0: -hmm. and so
1: that's that's a practice that we brought with us into organizational development because that's a very functional piece and necessary when you're trying to map out the structure of your organization
0: and interestingly enough it seems like it's always a lot easier to write it's a lot easier to think about what are all of the major functions of the business and Mm -hmm. what are all the things that need to happen and then start sussing out who carries what, whereas it's very easy, I think, to get bogged down in little. If I'm gonna try to write, what is everything a PM does? I can really get bogged down in that.
1: It could be 15 pages. Right,
0: whereas when I try to zoom back and say, what is everything that needs to happen Mm -hmm. here on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, and then start pulling out who does what, it gets a little easier to get your arms around.
1: So the key to the responsibility matrix is understanding who is the key owner, who is the owner for each activity that has to happen inside of that business, and who provides support so that that we have that understanding of who who does that buck stop with uh, mm-hmm. at each point. And so I, when we're creating those, I'll think about the life cycle of a company or a project, and we'll take that, that project through major buckets of the phases of that project. So uh, where does a project start? Well, it starts in sales or it starts in marketing. Mm -hmm. And you kind of identify those major categories as buckets of activities that we need to perform in the company, otherwise we're not going to be a company. Mm
0: -hmm. And you can actually walk through that one piece at a time Mm -hmm. and kind of write down all of the important tasks. And then we're gonna write down all of the rules so, the important thing here is we often see another thing that, that often derails people is that they try to write everyone's names mm-hmm. and then they start trying to figure out, well, Joe does this and Sarah does that and it An- gets-
1: Anne has always done this. Mm-hmm.
0: And it gets very confusing very fast. So what we try to do is start moving to a place where every role is static.
1: So so role is a title
0: this is the job of the project managers Mm -hmm. this is the job of the accounting clerk often we have different people within those roles who will fill different responsibilities Mm -hmm. so maybe we have one project manager who is doing certain parts of the work that none of the other project managers do but we want to try to boil this down so that each role has its own set of responsibilities and everyone in that role is responsible for all the same things that the other people in that role are responsible for.
1: So then after we identify all of the roles and all of the the major categories and all of the, the primary tasks that we should be responsible for or, or responsibilities that we should be responsible for, then we identify what everybody's position plan is. And so if, if I have a responsible category mm-hmm. for a certain item for me and uh, I need help with it, then we can have some pushback from other team members where they say, well that that's not my responsibility on the on the matrix.
0: Well, and I think the flip side of that the thing that I think that's less the problem mm-hmm. and more of the problem is that the leadership of the company again gets bogged down mm-hmm. where they say, well, okay, so they aren't, necessarily responsible for this, but everyone on the team supports it because everyone on the team has a supporting role because we all have the Responsibility of pulling together We're and all helping responsible when when the chips are down mm-hmm. And I think that's true everywhere you go that in a pinch we help each other mm-hmm. and so we call that the good neighbor rule so if you if a person if a role has a Responsibility to support A task in a way that if the chips are down and things are tight we expect them to pitch in that's not a supporting role on that task it's only a supporting role on that task if they have something to do and if they aren't doing that they aren't doing their job
1: right so it's important that we're all willing to pitch in when we need to Mm -hmm.
0: and I'm gonna put an example of a job matrix on the in the show notes so, or a responsibility matrix in the show notes so that you can see a little bit more about what this looks like, because it's a little hard to get your head around just from, just from talking mm-hmm. through it.
1: And we do have a simplified version of this in our book drive.
0: We do. So the last thing about the responsibility matrix though is you wanna make sure that you share this with the whole team before you move forward, before you start writing your job descriptions, your position plans. You wanna make sure that you actually talk through this matrix. It might be that you're gonna take input and you're gonna let the team help direct who owns what. It might be that this is how you want it to be moving forward mm-hmm. and you're not taking input. It might be that this is what you expect from them, but it's still a good phase to kind of talk through it and let them understand what it is that now is going to be expected of them so that there are no surprises when we get to the next part of the journey.
1: And if you don't, if you don't have a responsibility matrix in place yet, then you should make it a fun event. You should bring in mm-hmm. lunch. You should have a chat, and and give everybody input. And ideally, this is everybody's uh, every. This is for everybody's benefit. This mm-hmm. is to help everyone clear up the lines of communication and make it crystal clear who reports to who and who's responsible for what, and make sure that we're receptive to taking other people's input because mm-hmm. they oftentimes have perspectives that we don't have, and without. Having kind of an open-handed approach to to this launch then we could get resistance that is totally unnecessary and counterproductive.
0: Well this can be so useful this is a really good time to think about how we're doing things because sometimes as you walk through those processes you find things that are going through all of these hoops and all of these directions and the team all looks at that and says why don't we just mm-hmm. make it so that it goes straight from point A to point B yep. and that can be a great time to really start Uh, Turning the screws and and making things a lot neater in the way that that information is moving.
1: I I Think also one challenge that I put out to everybody during this process is If you don't like the way that we're proposing something give me a reason other Than this is the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. If if the only reason that you have a problem with this is because it's different from the status quo Mm -hmm. You have to give me a real reason why this doesn't make sense.
0: Yep. Well, and you know, I'm always a big fan of the bring me solutions not problems mm-hmm. approach that instead of coming and saying I don't like this. It shouldn't go this way. Tell me how it
1: should go yeah. and why and and the responsibility matrix is not a Static document it is something mm-hmm. that changes and grows and lives with the organization
0: And we should be revisiting it all the time
1: mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that we can't make changes and we can't try things out so after we have our matrix dialed in and we have buy-in from the team and everybody understands that this is the plan going forward, the easy part comes next. Yeah,
0: cuz now we're now putting together the job descriptions becomes just a matter of going through that matrix. And so for the project manager, we would go in and say every place where there's an O on the matrix because it's an item that the project manager owns, that goes in their primary responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Every place where there's an S because this is an object this is an item that the project manager supports, then we're gonna put that in their secondary responsibilities section. So other than kind of prettying up that text to make it a little clearer or a little cleaner, uh, that's that's all we're doing. So we don't wanna have a bunch of steps at this point about how to do these things. Mm-hmm. This is a whose ball conversation. Whose ball is it? Whose responsibility is it? If they don't know how- It's my ball. If they don't know how to do it, The job description is not the place Mm -hmm. to figure out how to do it.
1: And we could have a backup document or kind of a a position manual if we need technical support in how to do a thing. Mm -hmm. But the job description is not the place to have that breakdown of of step-by-step instructions.
0: And I'm a huge fan of having a a process knowledge base Mm -hmm. that's set up. Uh, I love doing it in OneNote. Mm -hmm. And have it set up so that... I love
1: doing everything in OneNote.
0: I know, right? Uh, have everything set up so that anything you need to do, you can see how to do. So for example, this podcast, every step of how I edit it is in the knowledge base in the OneNote so that, well, I don't know that you could do it, but
1: a, someone could
0: do a, it. <laughs> Look, you I, I just only, need to
1: hire someone and they'd know how to do you it. You
0: only edit podcasts and paint and-
1: No, I hire, I, I edit podcasts in real time. Edit.
0: See that Mark. Like, I know that feels like very powerful to you, but that only works that way because I go in and edit it.
1: Mark. And Mark.
0: No. And that's, scene. That's only if I choose to edit it in that way, Jason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, that's I just that. did it. I just edited it.
0: You didn't. That's did. going to be just exactly the way you said it in the Look, podcast. I,
1: I, I wrote that in OneNote mm-hmm. so that the person editing it could know how to edit it.
0: So then you put it in your OneNote process knowledge base. I did. When Jason says mark
1: mm-hmm. and unmark. What are you supposed to do? Are you
0: supposed to cut that out? Is I, that what's going on? Look,
1: <laughs> it's edited, okay? Just trust me.
0: <laughs> so there are three sections uh, in the job descriptions that we write. The first section is primary responsibilities. The right. Second so
1: section, primary responsibilities has to do with uh, what are the most important things for your role? If you're not doing those, then that's basically a, a key problem that we have Yep. That, that we don't have someone carrying that.
0: Yeah. What do you own? What do you carry the ball for? The second section is supporting responsibilities. Edit. No, you can't edit that way.
1: So supporting responsibilities, <laughs> the purpose of that <laughs> is identifying what are the places in the organization that you provide support. So uh, th- this could be oversight, this could mm-hmm. be providing support to a superior. Uh, we're identifying the places where maybe you're learning or training uh, and, and moving forward, but essentially, what are your secondary roles?
0: Right. And then finally, we have a section that we label goals for this position.
1: Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> this is the, the piece that most job descriptions skip, and it's mind-boggling to me why you would not have a goals section for your job description. Mm-hmm. So, these are sort of like the rock star targets that we talk about in Forward Coaching. So forward Coaching is our, our performance management. Uh, podcast. I
0: think that's next week. Is it? I think we're talking next week about
1: performance management. Nice. So forward coaching, in forward coaching we talk about what are the rock star targets? What are the things that, that you should be striving toward? These could be sales goals, these could be uh, next steps that you should be taking in order to take my position, mm-hmm. if or, or me to take your position. Um, but. What are the the goals? What are the the signs that that you are on the right track and you are just knocking it out of the park?
0: Mm -hmm. So so this can be targets like that. This could also be a place where you track a position that's changing. Mm -hmm. So, you know in the past We've always had project managers doing these things But the senior project managers do these other kind of higher level tasks and so we might add goals to kind of start moving our PMs into doing more of those tasks that they have not in the past done. Mm -hmm. So we could have things here about those higher level tasks that we want them to start learning to take on, or even pieces about the skills they need to start learning. So you could have uh, all PMs to learn Microsoft Project by the end of 2020. Could be a goal for this position.
1: So after we actually Bust out. I'm going to say bust out. That's a technical term. All right. Got it. After we bust out the new job descriptions and get these rolled out to the team, in our experience, they're typically not performing 50% of those tasks right now. Mm-hmm. Right, And
0: they often, there will be team members who had no idea that certain of those tasks were their responsibility.
1: So that means half of their job they're not doing because they're not even aware of it. Yep. And at least 25% of their total job, they don't have the skills or the expertise to even start trying to do these things. Yep. But when we kind of define what they should be doing in that role, they are undereducated, they're underprepared, they're undertrained, and they don't have what they need. And it doesn't mean they don't want to do it. But... What, what is the next thing now that we do, that we have our job descriptions? We just chuck them across the fence, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and we often have people when we come in and they want to skip this step, and they say, oh, we've already got job descriptions, mm-hmm. let's just skip that and just move on to changing yeah. things and making things better. Yeah, more money. But if we want to change what people are doing, so if now I want to take this team and I want them to start tracking new information and I want them to start filling out new reports, which will give us the ability to really take stuff to the next level, We can't add new stuff to what they're doing when they don't even really know precisely what it is they're supposed to be doing on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. to begin with. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that we get that clarified. And again, on day one, everyone always tells us that they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And at the event where the job descriptions are rolling out and everybody's having cupcakes and looking at these things posted up on the wall and talking about it, Pretty much everyone will tell us that it's a good thing we did this yeah. because they had no idea.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's way overdue, So when that's, we say, that's a common sentiment.
0: When we say, if you don't have a good job description, you probably don't know what you're supposed to be doing, I think the initial response is to, to push back against mm-hmm. that. But know that you're not alone, because without a proper job description, no one knows what they're doing.
1: Right, and whose responsibility is it to build out the job description? Right. So it's not the employee's responsibility, not the team member's responsibility. But when we build these out, it is critically important that we actually sit down and have a conversation about the job description.
0: When we start, then when we start to work with companies we're consulting, then we'll say we need job descriptions from everyone. There are a lot of companies where they go ahead and just tell all of the employees. Go ahead and write your job
1: description <laughs>
0: so that we can give this to these consultants. That's right, right? And and the idea that they're writing their own job description mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't link or or connect with one another in any way. Yeah, it's it's a mess.
1: They're they're all in silos writing their own job descriptions.
0: What does it? Our teenagers say you're a mess. You're toxic. You're toxic. <laughs> you're toxic. You're a mess. <laughs> you're a mess. Yeah.
1: But it's important that we actually have that conversation to onboard them to what their job is because Mm -hmm. if there are sentences or if there's phrasing that they don't understand, we need to make sure that we nip that in the bud and get Mm -hmm. them on the same page as us Mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Mm -hmm.
0: And we often find that at the leadership level of the company, they've never actually looked at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So different pieces of the company function in different ways and there are different people deciding who does what and no one has ever thought about all of it at once mm-hmm. and it's really important that someone thinks about all of it at once. And
1: so the piece to be careful about that is kind of on the opposite end of what we're talking about is folks will hire organizational specialists and they'll come in and write hundreds and hundreds of pages of role plans. Mm-hmm. And it is a mountain of paperwork that no one will ever read mm-hmm. and no one can can absorb, no one can understand what it means, no one can can get through page one or two or ten or twenty mm-hmm. to understand what they need to. So it's important that it is all lightweight enough and in common spoken or common plain English so that everybody at the organization can understand it.
0: Yeah, Everyone who gets one of these job descriptions should look at it and be able to clearly understand what everything on it is talking about. Mm -hmm. Even if they didn't know pieces of that were their job, it should be very clear what it is it means. So the next piece, once we have our job descriptions all figured out, and actually this usually rolls out at the same time as the job descriptions, is understanding our org chart. So for every That's
1: organizational chart? Our
0: organizational chart. For
1: some people who don't know.
0: So again, often people don't have these at all. Or when we come in and we start talking about it, then they'll say it's fine, we all understand it, and then they'll just scribble it out somewhere. We have- just
1: Scribble something together and take a picture of it.
0: Yeah, we write it on a marker board, write it on some post-it notes. And the truth is, the org chart is really important. So I don't know how many times we have interviewed people and they don't know who they report to. Mm -hmm. They don't know who reports to them. Uh, We had one company where someone didn't know what their job title was.
1: Or who they reported to. Or who
0: they reported to. We will get different answers where someone will say, oh, that person definitely reports to me, and then we talk to to that person, (laughs) and they say, oh no, I report to someone different.
1: Yeah, or they report to me.
0: Yeah, and so we often don't have clear reporting relationships mm-hmm. and again this I think is a it's a good intent because people don't want to put other people over other people right they don't want to under
1: my thumb
0: they don't want to create that sense of like these are the bosses mm-hmm. and you guys are the plebes right yeah but I think what we need to understand is whoever you report to, That's not who's better than you or who has power over you. That's who you go to when you don't have what you need to do your job. Mm -hmm. That's who you go to when something has happened that's out of your, what, out of your pay grade, right? Something has happened and this is not on me to fix and I need to know where to go. Mm -hmm. I should have a relationship with that person uh, that doesn't just exist when everything goes sideways. And it's
1: their responsibility to help through that situation.
0: Exactly. So it's really important that, and, and we always recommend that every single person has one person that they report to. Yeah. That doesn't mean that their job can't interact meaningfully with other jobs, but there should be one person. You can't, what, it was office space, where he says like, I've got
1: seven bosses, I've got seven bosses. Every
0: time there's a memo, it's gotta go to like seven different people. We don't wanna create that. We want this to be an important, meaningful relationship, and we want you to report to one person.
1: So the other key piece here is that whoever reports to you and whoever you report to, you should have access to their job descriptions as well.
0: Absolutely. And let's let's clarify for a minute what we mean when we say reports to, mm-hmm. because this is another thing that I think there is a lot of misunderstanding about. A lot of times we ask questions about who do they report to, and then the answer we get with respect to reporting to is they want to tell us who they are physically giving reports to. Like, <laughs> like who, actual
1: reports. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. it's and it's not that clear, but basically it's like, well, they have to tell so-and-so this information, and they have to tell so-and-so this other information. So
1: I report to accounting.
0: Right, right, exactly. So report to doesn't mean who you tell about stuff. Mm-hmm. You might have to tell everyone else in the office about stuff, mm-hmm. like if you're accounting, you have to tell everyone stuff. Yeah. But reports to means specifically who is your boss, mm-hmm. but we like to use reports to rather than uh, kind of those more hierarchical terms because that helps makes it, make it clear what we're talking about. And
1: you should think about right now as you're driving or, or rocking out to this hot podcast, <laughs> uh, who do you report to and do you know who you report to? And, and who
0: reports to you mm-hmm. and do they know it?
1: And, and typically some flags or, or indicators that, that you report to somebody specific is, Do they have the ability to make changes to your income? Do they have the responsibility to provide performance appraisals?
0: Can they fire you?
1: Can they fire you? Can they send you home? Can they discipline you?
0: We worked with one company where there was a person in the company who got hired and no one trained or onboarded this person. Mm -hmm. This person didn't really know what to do. And finally, when it was decided that this person was going to be fired, they just picked a random person and said, you have to go fire that person now because they're not working out.
1: Right, according to who?
0: We were talking to the person who had to do the firing, and it was really challenging because she said, I could see how no one had given her the support she needed, and now, I had to go tell her she was fired.
1: Mm-hmm. So we will draft out what does the current org chart look like? It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's pretty or ugly. Many times you have 13 people reporting to one person. Mm-hmm. You see the bottlenecks in the company where they exist. But we just want to know in a snapshot, what do we look like right now? Yep. Right. What does what our position plan look like? What does that organizational structure look like? Uh, Who reports to who? And you can generally pick out a lot of the problems that exist in the company just after drafting that.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: So then the next step is identifying, well, what do we want to look like? Mm -hmm. So in, let's say, one year, what do we want to look like? Or in five years, what do we want to look like? How should we be operating? It doesn't matter how we've done it for the last 20, 40, 80 years.
0: And it doesn't matter if you actually do this or not. Like often, people feel like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to make a guess. I don't know what the economy is going to do. I don't know what's going to happen."
1: Therefore, we can't draw out anything.
0: But this is more: if you had your way, what would it look like? If you
1: had your druthers.
0: you are just all full of folksy terms oh, boy, today. Wait for it, Jason's folksy wisdom.
1: Ooh, <laughs> is that the jetpack?
0: It could be. I, we had one earlier, but it was really early on, so. We could stick with Jason's folksy wisdom.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll have to edit it back in.
0: It's true. Edit. No, we don't have to edit anything. Mark. It's fine just the way it is, okay. dear heart. So we, what were we talking? Oh, we're we were talking, talking about, What do you what do you want it to look like? Yeah.
1: What should the business look like? Mm-hmm. So in five years, five years time, what does the business look like? What key roles are we identifying that we need to build out? Mm -hmm. Uh, What divisions of the company do we want to flush out? What parts of the company do we want to shrink or shore back in? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of gives us the overall shape of, of roles and positions for growth and for change.
0: So then when we look at that, we can say, well, we wanted to hire this many people. We wanted to add this many positions. How much would we have to change? Our income in mm-hmm. order to make that work and make that happen mm-hmm. and then that gives us some pieces we can start building toward in terms of our financial goals.
1: So then we'll build basically intermediate organizational steps between that mm-hmm. five year plan and where we are now to show how the organization will need to change over time in order to make those those changes realistic.
0: How do we get there from here?
1: How do we bring it back to life like Evanescence?
0: <laughs> what is that? Wait, what does Evanescence have to do? Nobody's company is dead. They don't have to bring it back to till- life.
1: Some people's companies are dead, and they just don't know it yet. That's They're funny. like zombie companies. Do you
0: remember when we went to the concert, and it was <laughs> Lindsey Sterling and Evanescence, <laughs> and it was late after Lindsey Sterling, and we were leaving, and a bunch of other people were leaving, and there were a bunch of like hardcore Evanescence fans, and they were like, "Don't leave!
1: It's show still going on. It's not
0: over. Don't leave."
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good time. <laughs> White River Amphitheater. It was good. Check it, was, it out. It was fun. So, what else? Uh,
0: well, so Jetpack is Jason's folksy wisdom.
1: Ooh, I like that. We, Maybe we'll do story time next time.
0: You want to? Yeah. we.
1: we you know, what we didn't do... What didn't we do? ...was uh, develop our origin stories.
0: I was just going to say that. We said last week... I beat you to it. That Yeah, it was just that was just on the tip of my tongue. That we said last week that we were going to tell our... Power tool, superhero,
1: origin story. Saw-zaw man. So how did you become Sawzall man? <laughs> sawzall man? Well, I uh, uh, was. Is it
0: Sawzall or Sawzall?
1: Sawzall.
0: There's an L at the end, right? I feel like it. I'm pretty sure there is. I'm pretty sure it's L. a Sawzall, yeah. but I think that like in Indiana, this is like the folksy wisdom again. I think people said Sah-zaw.
1: Sawzall. Sawzall. <laughs>
0: See, it's a Sawzall. Sawzall.
1: Sawzall. Because it, saw's, it all. saws everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. Yeah. Well. It's also
0: a reciprocating saw.
1: Yeah, but nobody says that.
0: Because it doesn't That's, reciprocate? It's
1: for nerds. It doesn't give back.
0: <laughs> you don't give only, back to the community. It only takes. Sawzall man doesn't give back to the community? <laughs> no. <laughs> he doesn't like volunteer at like the soup kitchen or anything? Well, he
1: does, but like he keeps changing his mind. Like, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> he like shows up and then leaves. And then shows up Wait. and then leaves. No, I can't.
1: I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, the part of the origin story, is that Sawzall Man, it was just a man, not a Sawzall. Mm-hmm. And he went to a pawn shop
0: mm-hmm.
1: to to buy a Sawzall. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's pretty direct.
0: I'm with you.
1: Right. And went in and basically uh, asked for the Sawzall on the wall. Uh-huh. And there was the guy in there is from- the Sawzall
0: on the wall like the gun on the wall? It... That like, it has to be fired by the end of
1: F3? Well- <laughs> All right, Hold on. Continue. So then the guy was in there from Gremlins.
0: Okay. And, All right. The guy who sold the mugwai to yeah, the kid's dad?
1: So, yeah. All right. And he said, uh, that Sawzall's not for you. And he goes in the back and he brings one out.
0: Wait. That, isn't that like the guy in the Neverending Story who's like, that book's not for you? A little
1: bit. A so little bit.
0: It's not. Is it the guy from Gremlins or the guy from Neverending Story? Oh, no. man, I like the guy from Neverending no Story. No, Gremlins. Really
1: totally Gremlins. Gremlins. Because okay, it, gremlins. it's it's glowing this, like, green-blue color. Okay. Oh, like right. Like, oscillating. Okay. Gotcha. like reciprocating between green and blue. Okay,
0: got right? it. Got and, it. And
1: puts it into Sawzall Man's hands. I mean, mm-hmm. just man's hands.
0: Right, because it's right? just...
1: It's you. That's me. Puts
0: it in your hands. Yeah,
1: and I picked it up, and I said, how much is it? And the guy said, you've already paid enough. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... Walked out of the door, Mm -hmm. turned back around, looked at at the pawn shop, Mm -hmm. and it's full of cobwebs, and there's busted glass like it had been closed for 20 years.
0: And then you could never make up your mind again. That's right. (laughs) I'm always
1: reciprocating. (laughs) true. All right.
0: Well, how did I become... Your
1: dark CNC. Dark CNC.
0: Yeah, how did that happen?
1: I told you my origin story. I know, I'm supposed to come up
0: with my own. I know, but like... I what if I what if I come up with my my uh, origin story next week?
1: I feel like you're 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 dragging it out a little bit, you know.
0: It's true, but I mean, it's it's worth it. See, like I want to go with like a Lex type <laughs> origin story <laughs> oh no. where I was like on a prison ship and <laughs> like being taken to like the evil Shadow Planet. Oh,
1: no one's gonna get that reference.
0: That's the beauty of it. you don't. Who doesn't know what a prison ship is? Who doesn't, who doesn't know, know what, what a, a Sawzall is? Who doesn't know what an evil shadow planet is? Like uh, you don't have to actually have seen the bad B-movie science fiction show that I'm referencing like, in order...
1: Like from Fifth Element?
0: See, there you go. Exactly. So there's an evil shadow planet and there's a prison ship and mm-hmm. I was on it.
1: And Chris Tucker?
0: Um is no, Chris Tucker there? No Ruby Rod. There was no Ruby Rod. Because like it was like more of like a dark, you know, cause that's, I'm dark CNC. It's too dark for Ruby Rod.
1: It gets pretty dark.
0: Yeah, it gets dark. And then basically I got smashed in a machine <laughs> with an evil sandworm.
1: <laughs> oh You're just ripping it off.
0: I know. Just like a
1: straight rip off.
0: <laughs> it's a straight rip off. That's the beauty of no one seeing the shows that I like yeah. is I can rip off whatever I want because everyone will just be like, whoa, that's deep. That's really Is that
1: deep. show called Bex?
0: It's called Lex. Oh, Lex. Lex, Lex. Jason. Yeah. It's called Lex. Okay. And they're evil brains and everything. And if you haven't seen it, you should check out Lex because it is so good. I'm just discovering it. Jason had a sick day this week and we watched it all day and it's so good.
1: Dark CNC.
0: Dark CNC. And now I only run when I have programming. And I'm dark and evil because I'm part evil sandworm.
1: I want to say something about that, but I just can't make up my mind what to say.
0: <laughs> so good. So the jetpack. Jason's folksy wisdom. There you go. If he had his druthers... If
1: I had my druthers...
0: Then he wouldn't be using those highfalutin words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. You can find us...
0: You can find us at com. You
1: can find us on Arcade Mayfair Witches.
0: That's not a thing. Okay. Mayfair Witches.
1: <laughs> nope. October's close.
0: Nope. Not, it's not a around thing. the corner. Yeah, we'll be witches in October, but right now we're Power Tool superheroes.
1: Okay. Sawzall Man. You can oh find us gosh. on Sawzall Wait. Man and CNC. Wait,
0: can we dress up as our superheroes <laughs> for Halloween this year?
1: Well, that'd be a lot. <laughs> at the party?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Reverie. We're on Reverie That's now. It's
0: not a thing. What's Reverie?
1: You don't know? Nope. It's it's funded by Bitcoin.
0: Not, not a thing. That's not a thing.
1: It's funded by the Federal Reserve. Is it
0: funded by the fa- Facebook's new Ooh,
1: cryptocurrency? Yeah.
0: Oh, what's it called? Libra? It's Libra.
1: Libra. Crypto Libra. It's Libra. So you can spend dark money for your dark CNC.
0: That's what I do. It is. (laughs) All the time. All right, well, I'm sure in all of this roughing we've done here at the end, I'm sure we've got some uh, outtakes. There's something. There's gotta be something. Watch for it. Watch for it.
1: And so before you- So why
0: is my outline backwards when this is at the top of my outline? Well,
1: because I'm jumping right to B instead of A.
0: Well, you didn't want to talk about that, which is fine. No, I will
1: talk about it, but this is kind of where we start organizationally: All right. All right. B All instead right. of A. Well,
0: that's why you can edit the outline if you want
1: to. No, I'm doing it on the fly. <laughs> See, this is my real-time editing.
0: Nice.
1: Cut. <laughs> and cut. Is that how we do it? No. Okay, so you we, can. We have a, a jetpack cohort push.
0: Uh, we haven't talked about we it. We haven't like built well, out the So time. I've been telling you every day that I want to work on the plan for the party, and you keep being like, oh I have actual work to do. I can't <laughs> me. I me, <laughs> me. Me, 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 me. <laughs> have to actually help clients. Yeah. So that's on deck. Okay. Uh, okay, so let's let's just let's just free ball it a little. <laughs> so <laughs> When should the party be? So the party oh, probably wants to be by the end of we're, September, right? not,
1: like, party planning on the thing.
0: I mean, no, but, like, I'm just saying, if we were going to, like, share a little bit of information, yeah. do we think it should be, like, late October
1: for the party? Maybe.
0: Early? or I'm sorry, not late I October. I can't think about September. dates right
1: now. It's already late.
0: I know. It's late, but, like...
1: Okay. Check it out. Jetpack cohort.
0: How about this? Go to the website. Yeah. I'll have new information. Or else. By the time this podcast goes live, I'll have new information on the website. It's not going to take much because there's literally no information on the website right now.
1: So you can find us.